Two children, they both have special needs. Ty is 23, Gabby is 18 now. Uh, they both have a chromosome, part of their chromosome one's missing, and that causes they're both nonverbal. Um, and they have feeding tubes. Ty has difficulty walking and um, have other health issues. We were um, going to a church, but Ty uh, was about 10 years old, and Gabby was going to be about five and they were getting too big for the nursery at this other church. <laughs> and they didn't have anything else for them. Um, and once you know then, God put, he let me know about Northridge and their special needs ministry. And I remember the, actually the first service here that these wonderful people took Ty and Gabby and then I got to go into the service and I got to hear it. And um, I don't know, it was remarkable. I remember I was crying because I just felt God's presence right away. So then I learned that there was a parent support group. And um, so I sought that out because we all need support, especially when you have kids with special needs. God has shown me that Ty, my son Ty um, has gifts and needs to show those and share those in the community here. There's um, a, a young lady, when she was having seizures, he would go right over to her and he would stay with her the whole time until she got worked through it. So that just touched my heart. And same thing with my daughter Gabby too. And I see that in all the kids and all the families through this ministry. So it is, it's really a blessing for me to get to witness that. This ministry too has given my daughter the opportunity to serve. Um, she's very energetic and, um, and our amazing volunteers and staff here have found ways that she can go down and during the services she pushes the um, infants around on the carts and helps them out because she loves them. So um, there's so many places and places of faith that don't allow that. Families like my, I wouldn't be able to come here and be part of a family. So we need to do this. Uh, then I ended up, now I'm helping facilitate the group because I want to share that with other people. Jesus says we need to do this. We need to go out and find the hurting and, and the weak. We're all weak in some ways, just some of us show it a little bit more than others. What gives you joy? Um, Jesus. Watching Disney movies. Coloring. Smiley faces. Bowling. When I get to go to school. Going to church. My friends. Soccer. I got a cool hat. And a t-shirt. Do you have a girlfriend? Not yet. Still working on it. Still working on it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But that will bring you joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> what is the best thing about being you? Being me? Yeah. Just my personality, my smile. Being in Special Olympics. My hugs. Jesus is in my heart. I'm pretty. I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love everyone. I'm the only one in my family that has special needs. So that's the best part about being you? Because everyone treats you special. I like to, um, to sticking some um, candy at, at night. 
I like Jesus, and I like to draw. What's the hardest part about painting? I'm legally blind. When I have to go to the doctors. Making friends. I don't think I have a hard part, be me. So it must be really fun to be you. Oh yeah. <laughs> hard of hearing. See? Why is that hard? I don't know. Do you ever get sad or are you pretty much always happy? I'm always uh, happy. When I say the word joy, what do you think of? Disney. Chucky Jesus. Worship. I give you my worship. You know, you're my favorite. You like to sing? Yes. You should sing us your favorite song. No. You like to sing? Disney stuff. What's your favorite Disney song? A whole new world. Let's sing it together. I think I'm good now. Thank you so much, buddy. You're welcome. Well, it is such a pleasure to meet you, dude. Thank you. All right, cool. We're done. Good. Yeah, thank you. J-E-S-U-S is coming into my, hear my heart, hear my heart, come into my heart. Here's one of life's many paradoxes. We all desperately need joy in order to live fulfilled lives, and at the same time, life itself seems to, on a day-to-day -day basis, suck the joy right out of us. So here we are in a world where we desperately need joy to experience the best of life, to keep moving forward, to keep investing in other people and our own dreams, and yet, the very act of living is what makes it difficult to find it. And, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that our natural day-to-day -day lives don't fuel what we need. They literally rob us of what we need. So here's the question. How, how do we get the joy? 
that we so desperately need in our lives to live the kind of lives that God created us for? How, where does it come from? And as we bring this series about me to, the, to a close, I have to tell you, I think this truth is, is the right anchor for it. Because the truth is that, that God is the only source for true and lasting joy. He's the only one we can ultimately turn to. Life will continually beat it out of us, and there aren't places we can turn for it, not for true and lasting joy, for short-term, adrenaline-based joy, yeah, but not for the real deal. You have to turn to God for that. Anyone who's ever truly experienced a life journey where God became their everything, where their life ultimately achieved their potential, discovered this truth. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm 43, verse 4. He says, there I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. The source of all my joy. Now, if we could really get a hold of that truth, do you know how much it would change the way we live our lives on a daily basis? Because let's be honest, our lives are genuinely shaped by our desire to fix our circumstances, to fix our context, to to change what we experience, to renew our relationships so that we might have a chance of finding the joy we're looking for. I, I mean, we're constantly trying to find that circumstance that we can step into where, where we'll experience the joy we're looking for, but those things aren't the source of joy. I mean, at best, they give you a skip of joy at the beginning, and then they start sucking the joy right out of you again. And yet, time and time again, this is exactly how we try to find joy. We, we try to find it in sources that literally have no ability to give us joy. The psalmist said it right. God is the source of all of our joy. If, if we actually saw God as the source of all of our joy, we could stop fighting all the battles we fight to try and find it, and we could experience life no matter what it was, the best times or the worst times with joy, because God doesn't change. So the source of joy is always flowing. The source of joy is always there no matter what we experience. In fact, and you need to know, I'm, this talk is as much for me as it is for anyone because I, I get beat down by life. I know what it's like to have the joy sucked out of us, but that means whenever that happens that I'm, I'm not looking to God to be my source of joy. I'm looking to other things, but here's what I need to remind myself and I want to encourage you to understand. Joy is God's name. It's his name. There's an interesting name for God in the scriptures. It's El Simshagila the God of exceeding joy, never-ending joy. So what I'm doing with this talk is, is I'm, I'm, I'm looking through God's word to us and I'm trying to discover how he said that we could experience his name, how he said that we could experience the joy we so deeply long for, even in a world that's so, so messed up. And, and I think he's communicated his way. God's way to joy, he's made it very clear, clear starts, starts with us getting rid of all the negative baggage we carry in our lives and in this world. And let's just be honest, I mean, the negative baggage can rob us of joy. 
All the junk we experience, all the hurts we carry, all the pain we walk through, all the betrayals we've known. I mean, can't I just, I mean, those are the things that seem to rob us of joy. Well, if we're going to experience God's name, we have to get rid of the baggage. In fact, often it's, it's the negative baggage of our own choices that keeps us from God, the Bible says. But, but if we get rid of it, we can know him by name. Look at how Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 say, says it. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, the sin that so easily tangles. Let's get rid of all this negative baggage that's messing up our lives, robbing us of joy. Instead, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He said, you, you, want to, you want to experience joy? Then what you need to do is you need to get rid of all the baggage and you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. And then he gives us the the illustration from Jesus' life. Because Jesus knew the negative baggage. He never sinned, he never failed, but the world threw all of its darkness at him. He was betrayed, he was ultimately nailed to a cross, not because he deserved to die, the wages of sin is death, but because we did and he was dying for us. He knew darkness. He knew a life of despair, and yet he didn't surrender to it. Look what it says, it says, you wanna, you wanna get rid of your negative baggage and experience joy, look to Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even as he was hanging on this place of betrayal, this place of darkness, how did he keep hanging there and not lose it because of the joy set before him? The joy of what? Come on. He was going to once again be able to reconnect with God and sit at God's right hand. God's name is joy. He was once again, after the cross, he was going to be able to reconnect with us and walk with us. We who had run away from him, he was going to be able to forgive us. He retained joy even through that darkness. And it says, so you who experience darkness like this, you need to consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. You need to consider him who walked through such valleys of hurt and pain so that you don't grow weary and lose heart, so that you don't live through those times without joy. If we're going to experience God's name, God's way to joy is to get rid of the negative baggage. The reality is that we all have it, right? I mean, some of us dress up great, but come on, we all have the negative baggage. I, I know I do. I mean, we've all done things that rob us of joy. We've all hurt people. We've, we've all made poor choices. And, and in my life, I know, when I focus on these poor choices, I tend to do exactly what Hebrews 12 said I don't have to do. I tend to lose heart. I tend to lose joy. It's in the wake of, of my failures and my hurts and my mess-ups and, and then focusing on them that I, man, I'm just filled with such sadness. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I can't overcome these things, you know? And on top of the negative baggage that comes from our own junk, we've all been hurt by others, right? And when we focus on the, the hurts and the betrayals of others in our lives, rather than joy, we tend to experience anger and bitterness and resentment. And, and so if we're going to really experience joy, we have to, God tells us, get rid of this baggage. And what is God's way? To give it all to Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, hey, if you're going to, if you're gonna get rid of all that baggage, then you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. You need to give it to him. It's why he hung on that cross. The wages of our sin and our pain and our darkness and our guilt and our shame, the things that rob us of joy, is death. That's why Jesus hung on that cross and died and was buried, but then he didn't stay there, he rose again. So when we give our 
our despair and our hurts and our pain, our baggage to him, he takes it away. Look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can get rid of all the negative baggage that robs us of the life of joy that God's name can bring us by giving it all to Jesus, have you? Now, now in my life, I, I have found it's pretty interesting. The closer I am to a failure, a hurt, a betrayal, these things that rob me of joy, the baggage, the closer I am to it, the more it haunts me, the more it sucks the joy out of me. The further it is away from me, really the less impact it has, unless it was some substantial thing, but generally it's like the further away I am, the less it impacts me. For, for example, I mean, I, I mean, I did a lot of crap in high school. But you know, I'm not walking around in despair over what I did in high school. I'm just not, I'm sorry. So if you were in high school with me, I'm sorry, but I'm really not upset by it anymore. You know, it's a, pretty far away from it. But what really sucks the joy out of me is, is the failure that's close. And it's interesting, shouldn't after four decades of walking with Jesus, four decades of trying to understand his truth and share it with others, shouldn't I be above the mess up? And I'm telling you, when a failure is close to me, it can suck the joy right out of me. And this is why I love the picture that God paints of what he does with our sin when we give it all to Jesus, what he does with these failures. Look at Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has removed our transgressions from us. It doesn't matter how recent a failure, it doesn't matter how recent a hurt how close it is to us in the proximity of time. If we give it to Jesus, it's as far as the east is from the west. You can have joy because he removes it at a distance that makes it impossible for it to impact you anymore if you trust him. If we want to really experience God's name, joy, at work in our lives, then, then he tells us that his way is for us to stop worrying about our future. We have to stop worrying about the future. If, if we understand that he is joy and if he's our source of joy, then we don't have to worry as to whether tomorrow will bring us joy or next year will bring us joy or our grandkids will bring us joy or our retirement will bring us joy. We don't have to worry about any of that because he's our source of joy. And if we stop worrying about the future, we can live in the joy of his name right now. This is a big deal. Many of us don't experience joy because we have so much insecurity about the future, but Jesus taught we, if we want joy, we have to stop worrying about it. Look at Matthew chapter six, uh, just a couple of verses, starting with verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will, that's future tense, what you will eat, what you will drink. Stop worrying about your future and these physical needs. Stop, or about your body, what you will wear. Stop worrying about it. Look at the birds of the air. I mean, they don't sow or reap or store away. They don't have jobs. They don't have an economy where they, you know, store up grain and barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. I mean, he's saying, stop worrying about it. And then he goes, are you not much more valuable than birds? If you stop worrying about it, you could experience who God is. He's joy. He's provider. And this verse really got me thinking. 
You know, even the birds, even the birds. It reminds me of Mary Poppins. <laughs> Feed the birds, you know, that kind of thing, okay. But it's like, I'm one of these weirdos that, and I'm, it's just strange, and it's kind of almost out of character. I, I feed the birds. No kidding. I have two bird feeders in my yard. I, I give good money to buy seed to put in these stupid things. I'm, I'd be curious, how many of you, just at regional campuses, I know right now we're, we're with our regional campuses, we're all one church, you know, four locations. How, how many of you feed the birds? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, good, good for you. How many of you think those of us who feed the birds are idiots? Right? Seriously, why? And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy having the birds around and everything, but I'm gonna just tell you, it's, it's really dumb because I'm, I'm really not the best friend of birds because I'll, I'll, I'll fill up my bird feeders and, you know, the birds will all be around and they'll be, you know, whistling and eating and having a blast and all that different stuff. And then, you know, the, the food's all gone from the bird feeders and I let it go like three months before I fill them up again. <laughs> you know, it's like more important things to do, right? And, and then I fill it up again and go, all oh, birds, you know, and all that. You know what's weird? In those three months, the birds are still around Birds are still singing. Birds don't die. They just come to a new party place for a while and then it goes empty and they know the party's not on for a couple of months. I mean, that's just all that's going on. Because see, they don't need me to feed them. God feeds them. And you know what? They keep whistling and flitting between trees. When there's food in my bird feeders and when there's not food in my bird feeders. And Jesus is saying, you're more valuable than they are. God will take care of you just as surely as he takes care of them. And, and yet, what do we do? When he fills up our bird feeder, you know, through Sam or Sue or some business or economy, some investment way, you know, he, he fills up, you know, we whistling and praise God and we want to come to church, worship some of us, you know, we're just throwing the party and everything. But when all of a sudden that bird feeder goes empty, it's not there, we stop whistling like we're going to die. But let me just tell you, just as the birds don't need my bird feeder full for God to feed them, we don't need the job we have, the economy we have, the government we have, we don't need all these things. When one goes away, God can feed us with something else. And if we're looking to him and trusting him with our future, we know one bird feeder empty, God fills another one. And then look what Jesus says at the end of that passage, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We have to stop worrying about the future. You will never experience God's name joy as long as you're worrying about the future because when you're worrying about the future, you are declaring yourself to be the God of your future as if you can change it. But when you stop worrying about your future, you're saying, God, I'm gonna trust you in the present and I'm gonna trust you for my future. Even if the bird feeder I have to feed out of is different. I mean, we have to seek him. And you know what God's way to stop worrying about the future is? Just like with the birds, we have to trust him with it. 
We have to trust him with our future. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Don't you love that? I mean, remember God is the source of all our joy we saw earlier. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. See, here's the reason we don't experience joy. It's because we're trusting in the house or the relationship or the job or whichever bird feeder it is we've been looking to for a while instead of trusting the one whose name is joy. We have to trust him with our future. It's true, we live in very insecure times. But we can have joy in a very secure God. Are you? Trust him. If we're going to experience God's name, joy, alive and at work in our lives, then God's way is for us to live for Jesus and, and live for his kingdom. We have to live for Jesus and live for his kingdom. And you, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? We don't use kingdom language in our world. I mean, we don't have monarchs and we're, it's not like we think of America as a kingdom, but the truth is we are all building a kingdom we're all living for something or someone and we're all building a kingdom. The question is, who are we living for and what is that kingdom? Whose is that kingdom? And the truth is, for most of us, we're living for ourselves and we're building our kingdom. Just go through your prayer list and see whose kingdom you're trying to build. Dear God, I want to invade your kingdom so you'll provide for the kingdom I'm wanting to build for me. No wonder we don't have joy because you see we're living for something that's temporary and we're building something that's temporary. It can't bring joy. But when we live for Jesus and his kingdom, it can be forever. Look at Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not. You know, remember when Jesus said, would you stop worrying about what you will eat and what you'll drink? Come on. You say the kingdom of God's not a matter of those things. God's going to take care of that. That's easy, just like it is for the birds. But the kingdom of God is a matter of bigger stuff, of righteousness, of living rightly, of peace, of joy in the Holy Spirit. When you live for Jesus and his kingdom, you are living for that which fills you with joy in the Holy Spirit. A great example of this is Paul, and I'll talk more about him throughout this talk. But he was in prison, and on his way, he thought, to being executed. He was going to be killed unjustly, and, and yet he still had joy. The book of Philippians is a book, short book of four chapters, and yet in that book, 16 times he mentions joy, and, and most of the book is about that joy throughout. It's just crazy. And yet he had joy. How did he do that? How did he have joy when he was suffering the injustices of this world, and he thought he was going to die at that moment? And he told us in Philippians 1.21, it had to do with who he was living for and what he was living for. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now here's the question. Could he live for Jesus in prison? Yeah. Could he live for Jesus suffering injustice? Yeah. Could he live for Jesus out of prison, not suffering? Yeah, he, see, he could li live for Jesus anywhere he was. And so since he was living for Jesus, 
His life didn't change when life went bad or when life went good. It didn't change because who he was living for didn't change. And he wasn't building his own kingdom. So it didn't hurt him at all as it relates to what kingdom he was building when he was thrown in prison because he could still invest in the kingdom of God in prison just like out of it. Was it convenient? No. Was it what he wanted? No. It broke every dream he had, but his He wasn't living for his dreams. He was living for Jesus and Jesus' kingdom, and no one could take that away from him. And then he said, for me to live as Christ, put me in prison all you want. I can keep living for him. Well, then we'll kill you. He says, hey, all the better. Then I get to go be with them, losers. (laughs) He's saying, for to me to live as Christ and to die is gain. If we really believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we really believe that in him we have eternal life, why would we allow the threat of going to see him ruin our joy? We wouldn't. The problem is we say it, we just don't believe it. We have to live for Jesus and his kingdom. And when we don't have joy when things go wrong in this life, and trust me, Easier said than done. I go through seasons without joy, but if we're really living for Jesus and his kingdom, nothing can take it away. It's his name. A lot of people, a lot of us live without joy. It just simply identifies that we're living for the wrong things, things that are temporary, things that lack value. This doesn't happen when we live for Jesus and his kingdom because they're eternal. If you want lasting joy, then you need to live for Jesus and his kingdom. Are you? Really? What's God's way? And this this is where it gets interesting. What's God's way to live for Jesus and his kingdom? Because I don't know about you, I've tried. I've tried to live for Jesus and I've tried to live for his kingdom. I've tried to muster all the discipline I have and I fail and all the capacity I have and all the motivation I have. I've really tried, but then... You know, when you really understand what he's done for us, he says, you don't have the capacity, but I do. If we're going to really live for Jesus and his kingdom, then we can't live in our natural ability because you know what our natural ability gets us? Natural results. We have to live in his supernatural ability. We have to, we have to live in the power of his spirit. You see, my spirit has limited sources of joy. His spirit has unlimited, infinite resources of joy. Look at Galatians 5, 16 to 22. Just read a couple of verses. So I say, walk by the spirit, live in the power of his spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of flesh. You won't live this natural, defeated life because the fruit of the spirit, that which the spirit produces in us is love, joy, and goes on to list seven other characteristics of the fruit. Look, I, I can't work joy up in my life. I tried, you know. Someone betrays me and I'm going, I'm going to work joy up. No, I'm not. I'm going to kill him, right? <laughs> but Jesus doesn't have to work joy up. It's his name. And if he's in me, joy is overflowing out of me. We've got to walk in the power of his spirit. Are you? The Spirit of God in me does not author fear and insecurity and resentment and anger and bitterness and despair. No. If we have those things, we're not walking in His power. We're walking in our natural capacity. But if we walk in the Spirit, we get to 
live supernaturally because it's him living in us. And I'm not talking about happy, slappy stuff here, you know. People go, oh, joy. So I'm always going to be laughing. You think Jesus was laughing on the cross? No. But he had joy. Look at clowns. Happy, slappy. Clowns are the saddest people on the planet. And besides that, they scare the heck out of most of us, right? I mean, it's like, we're not talking about Happy, happy. We're talking about joy. And that's a whole different thing. Do you have it? If we're going to experience God's name, joy in our life, God's way is for us to think about the right stuff. We have to think about the right stuff. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, remember Paul's in prison thinking he's going to be executed. And yet he's talking about joy. And he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, anything's going to, you know, be filled with joy type of concept, think about such things. Too often we live joyless lives because we choose to think about the wrong things, right? Because it's a product of what we think. We, we think about all the things we don't have instead of all the things we do have. We think about all the people who've hurt us instead of all the people who've helped us. We, we think about all the small inconveniences of life instead of all the great gifts of life. I mean, we have to think about the right stuff, but God's way to change the way we think from what we tend to think about to what we should think about if we're going to experience joy is we have to fill our minds with the right stuff. If you're going to think about the right stuff, you've got to fill your mind with the right stuff. And I'm going to tell you, this is a sad reality about, about Christians, Christianity, me, sadly, more often than not. We spend more time filling our, filling or filling, depend on where you're from. If you're from the north, it's filling. If you're from the south, filling. <laughs> Y'all. But we spend so much of our time filling our minds with the news of the day, which is temporary and almost always discouraging, and very little of our time filling our minds with God's Word. Shouldn't it be reversed? Look it. Spend a couple hours in God's Word and then watch five minutes of MSNBC or Fox. And you'll turn it off, you'll go, God's news is better. And you'll have joy in spite of the junk they're doing in the world. Because the good news is, you might be losing now, but in the end, God always wins. And if you're walking with him, you're going to win. I mean, that's the good news. And so we need to, we need to fill our minds with the right stuff. Look, this is what the psalmist said in Psalm 1. Look at verse 1. Blessed, you know, complete, satisfied, content. A life of joy is, has the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or, or sit in the company of mockers. No, their delight, the one who really is blessed, their delight is in the law of the Lord, in God's word. And, and it's in that word that they meditate day and night. They fill their mind with the right stuff. What are you filling your mind with? Really, seriously. If we're going to experience God's name, joy, then we... We have to understand that God's way is to invest ourselves in others. 
the way to joy. And this is interesting, isn't it? Because what's our nature? Isn't our nature to invest ourselves in ourselves? Give me a break. Now, if others kind of can float in the wake of my awesomeness, that's great. But if they get in the way, cut the rope, babe. You know, it's about my joy. This is how we live, but it's not the way to joy. Do you know why we can be so wealthy as a nation and so miserable as the people of that nation, it's because that stuff doesn't bring us joy and living for ourselves doesn't bring us joy, but living for others can. That's why Jesus on the cross had joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of what? Seeing us experience life and life to the full. Seeing us experience forgiveness. Seeing us shed the darkness and walk into the light. I mean, the joy set before him. It's about investing ourselves in others. Look at Paul. He did it. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. And then look what he calls them. You're my joy and crown. His joy wasn't to be out of prison. I'm sure he wanted out of prison. His joy wasn't to have his dreams come true. I, I know he wanted his dreams to come true. He had all kinds of plans. He tells us about some of them. But his dreams and freedom, those weren't his joy. His joy was found in those who he invested in. And no one could take that away from him. No one. No one. Do you know why we have so little joy? Because we invest in everything that can be taken away. The fact is that a lot of Paul's joy stems simply from the investments he had made in others. He, he didn't have to focus on his own negative circumstances, and they were negative because he had so many positive things to focus on in the lives of those he had helped. And that's what we need to do. You know what God's way to joy is, to finding his name, to experiencing it? It's, it's deciding to live to bring joy to others because no one can take that away from you. And it's an amazing thing. When you live to bring joy to others, you know what God fills you with? His name, joy. Look at Philippians chapter one, verses 25 to 26. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain. He thought, even though they were threatening to kill him, um, he said, I think, I'm gonna, I think God's gonna keep me alive. And here's why. If God keeps me alive, I will continue with all of you for your progress. Now that's not, God, if you let me get out of here, this is how I am. You let me get out of here, I'll go out and do even bigger and better things for you. Let me get out of here, I'll go out and I'll you know, tear the world out for you. You let me get out. He's not saying that, he's saying, God, you let me get out of here and I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna live for their progress. I'm gonna live for their joy in the faith. In fact, then he goes even further. So, in fact, I look at, if God lets me live, I'm gonna invest myself in your life so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. He wanted just to bring joy to others. Can I ask you a question? When, when was the last time you lived an, entirely, an entire day for the joy of someone else? <laughs> doesn't sound normal. This is what I loved about the fact that this weekend, if you were here before the service began, you saw all of our videos about special needs. That's what I love about our special needs ministry. I, I believe it really is the heartbeat of those who want to invest in others' joy. And have you ever seen more joy-filled people than special needs people, adult all the way down to kids. We saw this video of them, and you know, are you usually happy or sad? Happy, you know? And I wonder what makes you happy? Disney. What, look at, wouldn't it be awesome if all you needed was Disney? 
I've been to Disney World a bunch of times. Let me just tell you, I'm still miserable. <laughs> Happiest place on earth. Most expensive place on earth. <laughs> and I love it, don't get me wrong. It doesn't make me happy. You should see some of the videos we have of our family experiences at Disney. <laughs> Closest I've ever been to divorce, I think, was at Disney. I'm not sure, but could have been. Yeah, yeah. All I'm trying to tell you is like, special needs kids are just like, they're filled with joy because you see, they're not worried about the future. They're not wrestling with all the complexities. Talk about simplicity of faith, right? And you know what I found here at Northridge? Do you know who I... The people who work in our special needs ministry are the most joyful people I've ever met. Did you see them up here with these kids? I mean, if, if, if a kid was trying to wrestle away from me and get close to the edge, doing all this stuff, singing those songs there, I'd be going, you know, like this. And they're just up there going, praise Jesus, they're awesome. I mean, the joy comes from investing in others. Let me give you a real simple example. In the next two weekends, we're having a food drive here a food drive and what's the purpose of our food drive to show people his love so we can wake them up to Jesus and so we're going to try and fill warehouses in Detroit with food so that we can offset the the physical needs of people we're going to fill the birdhouses in Detroit you know and uh and then we're going to fill the the bird feeders in our own community going to just pump them full of food over the next two weekends and it's going to be an awesome exciting thing I'm so proud of this church doing that I hope all of you participate you can go to northridgechurch.com backslash food drive and see all the appropriate stuff you can bring and how it comes in here's but here's the reason I'm talking about this here when you get all those food items and you put them in the bag here's how it gets done here at Northridge you bring the bag to a service at Northridge and then you just put the bag behind your car in the parking lot and we have volunteers that come by and pick them up, right? And then they'll fill up warehouses around. And, but here's what I know. If you go shopping and you get all the appropriate food stuff and you fill up a bag or two and you put it behind your car, when you're walking away from that bag to come into church, there will be joy flooding your soul. Because you see, joy comes from investing your life in bringing joy to others. It's this natural outflow because God is closest to those who live unselfishly because that's what Jesus does in us. If we're going to ultimately experience God's name and, and joy, then God's way is, and I'll just finish it this way, is, is to choose joy, to choose it. Well, said, I've been, you know, Trying to choose joy. No, you've been trying to find it in the wrong things, but when you choose joy, you know what you're doing, right? You're choosing Jesus. Choose joy. When I, when I first read this, choose joy, look, look at what Paul says, just this one sentence, actually two, Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I mean, my first reaction was just in that context, it sounds like this guy's just a bit out of touch, right? Choose joy. Just rejoice, baby. You'll like it. It's like he had no clue about the complexities of life. I've tried, it doesn't work, but, but he really did have joy. Here's a guy who had joy in the midst of all the injustices of this world. And, and how did he do that? It's not because he was simple. He, he understood that he could experience joy in the darkest hours and the brightest hours and the worst of times and the best of times. And, and he knew he had to choose it, but see, 
How do you have to choose it? He didn't say rejoice, and again I say rejoice. He said rejoice in the Lord. Not in your house, not in your freedom, not in your relationships, not in the bird feeder being full. Rejoice in the Lord because joy is his name. If you're rejoicing in him, guess what? You can't help it. Rejoice. We have to choose joy, but to choose joy, we have to choose Jesus. And so here's, here's God's way as I understand it. If we're going to choose joy, then we have to focus on the good God is doing instead of the bad that we're feeling. And see, Paul wasn't sitting in prison saying, I feel good, you know? He wasn't saying that. He didn't feel good. He chose to focus on the good God was doing instead of the bad he was feeling. Look at, he said it, Philippians chapter one, verse six, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you doesn't stop working because life goes south, because you're put in prison, because your dreams fail, because the bird feeder's not full. No, the God who's begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, no matter where you are, what you're experiencing, or how you're feeling. God's name is joy. He's doing good works. And when you focus on him, how can you do anything but rejoice in the Lord again? I say it, rejoice. You can't. Now, there's all kinds of things we can... There's all kinds of things that we can say to make application, but let me just bring it down this way, and I hope you'll stick with me. It's, I mean, I'm almost done, but I have to tell you, this is so important, I believe. If we're going to experience true and lasting joy, we have to stop looking for it in all the wrong places, right? You're not gonna find it in your dream coming true. You're not gonna find it in you know, whatever you've been looking for. If we're going to experience true and lasting joy, here's what we have to do. We have to get to know the God whose name is joy. We have to get to know the God of exceeding joy. See, too many of us are trying to get joy when we already have joy. It's his name. And if we spent more time trying to get to know God, we would be in process of getting to know joy because it's his name. And so how... how can we get to know God? Well, there's only one way, and it doesn't matter if you're new or faith, outside of the faith, or old in the faith. There's only one way. Jesus is the only way to get to know God, whose name is joy. Look at John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way. That kind of says it straight up, right? <laughs> I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If anyone wants to get to the Father, whose name is joy, they must come through me. Too many of us let Jesus take our baggage away, but we're trying to find joy on our own. There's only one way to find joy, and that's to walk with God in his spirit. And there's only one way to do that, and that's in Jesus' name. Is that how you're living? And for some of us, we have yet to experience Jesus taking the baggage away and you know, filling us with his spirit. We, this is our moment. So I just want to encourage you, before I wrap this talk and this series up, in a moment. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer. And those of you at our regional campuses, Gross Eel, Brighton, so glad you're with us, Northridge, Saline, Plymouth, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Even if you're watching on a live stream somewhere around the world, just if you're ready to experience God's joy, His name, you need to let Jesus in. 
take my words in this prayer and let them be yours. Just in your heart, say, Jesus, I, I need to know God and I know I need to come through you. You died on the cross for my sin and were buried and rose again and so now I'm giving you my baggage, my sin, my darkness, my pain and asking you to take it away and fill me with the new life, the joy of the new life of your resurrection and I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, just before I give you the last thought, if you let us know that you prayed with me, we want to send you a packet of information about next steps that you can take in your journey with God. And we want to give you a Bible, but we have to know that you prayed with me, that you took this step. And so in your programs, we make it really easy. We put a perforated card, you fill it out, and there's a place where you can say, I prayed with you, or ask other questions. If you do that, then there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there, and we'll send you that packet and that Bible so you can start taking steps forward. And just two other things about that. Um, I do this thing personally because I feel it's so important called Discover Northridge and it's where I'm, where I'm sharing with you what God has for you and wants for you in life and what Jesus made possible and then how Northridge is trying to connect with you so you can take that journey and that's what Discover Northridge is about. We actually give a dinner and I go through about an hour and a half and then uh, you get to meet some of our ministry areas and for the first time ever we're doing it on Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night. Uh, and. Um, so you can sign up for that. We're also doing kids ministry at the same time. So if you're a young family and you've got kids, Discovery Island's going on. I just really want to encourage you to sign up for it. You can go to the website. You can go to guest service. You can call the church. I hope you'll be here once tonight. It's really a positive and powerful opportunity. And then if God's working in your life right now, we have a, at all of our campuses, we have prayer teams that meet up here after the service. So if you want someone to pray for you or with you or to talk to, just come forward and we'd love to spend time with you that way. But here's how I want to end this weekend. I want you to remember that God has a name for joy. And since we do so much of our living trying to find joy, I want you to just remember when you start feeling joy's absence, when you start knowing that you're needing joy, another Philip on joy, remember that in order to experience joy, you just need to know God. It's his name. So instead of trying to fix the problem that's robbing you of joy, Fix the distance between you and Jesus, and you'll find joy. This whole series really has been about how God has a name for every one of our needs. And so if we're going to experience our needs being met in this world, we have to stop trying to meet them ourselves, our own capacity, in whatever way is available to us. And we need to realize that to have him meet our needs, we just need to get to know him by name. I mean, think about that. That's all we need, to get to know God by name, which is why Jesus taught us to pray on a daily basis this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you look to his name to meet your need, you find what Jesus came to give you, life and life to the full. And it's my prayer we experience it this week. I'm so glad you were here. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.